بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوضا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم إن الأصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة My dear respected brothers, sisters, elders, Alhamdulillah, ta'ala, we are on the next right of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, which is his right that his family, the Ahlul Bayt, should be honored and respected over and above everybody else. I remind myself and you that the issue with rights is that they must be fulfilled. When somebody has a right on us, we do not have the choice to fulfill it or not fulfill it. We must fulfill it. There is no choice in the matter. And whose right comes before the right of Rasulullah except the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So who are the Ahlul Bayt? Who is the family of Rasulullah Who are the people of his household? The family of Rasulullah according to all our scholars, by according to the, all the scholars of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jamaah, are all his wives, all his children, the Banu Hashim, the Banu Abdul Muttalib and their freed slaves. This is the view of all our scholars from the earliest times, including the Sahaba, Ridwanullahi alayhi majmain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed the wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah said, Ya Nisa an Nabi. The wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he mentioned them and he called them people who are special and unlike the rest of the ummah. He did not address any one of them individually and singularly. Neither did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala omit any of them. He addressed them all and he honored them all equally. This is our aqidah. We honor all those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored and who Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya Nisa an Nabi. لَسْتُنَّكَ أَحَدٍ مِّنَ النِّسَاءِ 
ان اتقيتنا فلا تخضعنا بالقول فيتمع الذي في قلبه مرض وقلنا قولا معروفا فقرنا في بيوتكن ولا تبرجنا تبرج الجاهليه الاولى واقمنا الصلاه واتينا الزكاه واعطينا الله ورسوله انما يريد الله ليذهب عنكم رجس اهل البيت ويطهركم تطهيرا واذكرنا ما يتلى في بيوتكن من ايات الله والحكمه ان الله كان لطيفا خبيرا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the ayat of Surah Al-Hazab from 32 to 34, which means, O wives, O women of the Prophet, Ya Nisa al-Nabi, O wives of the Nabi, alayhi salam, you are not like any other women. If you have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then do not be soft in speech when you speak to strangers. Lest the one in whose heart is the disease of hypocrisy should be moved with desire, but speak in an honorable, firm manner. And stay in your houses and do not display yourselves like that of the times of ignorance and jahiliyyah, and establish a salah and give zakat and obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes only to remove our rich which is all forms of evil and, Im- and impurities and sins from you, Ya Ahlal Bayt, O family and members of the household of Rasulullah to purify you with a thorough purification. And remember, O members of the family of Rasulullah the graces of your Rabb, the blessings of your Rabb, that which is recited in your houses of the ayat of Allah, and of Al-Hikmah, the Sunnah of Rasulullah Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ever most courteous, well acquainted with all things. Ibn Jarir, rahmatullahi stated that Safiya bint Shayba, radiallahu anha, she said, and see who is narrating this hadith. Because I don't have the time now to go into the details of who says what and so on and so forth, but you know what I am referring to. See who is narrating this hadith. This is the reason why she is called as siddiqah Is not for nothing. She did not change things because people were against her or somebody was somebody tried to harm her. She stated the truth as the truth. Safiya bin Shaiba says, Aisha radiallahu anha, Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha said, Rasulullah went out one morning wearing a striped cloak, a mishlah, which is like this outside, of black camel hair. Al Hassan radiallahu anhu, a little boy. He came running and Rasulullah wrapped him in the cloak. He put him in the cloak like this. And then Al Hussein came and Nabi included him in the cloak. And then Fatima bin Muhammad, Fatima Zahra came and he also put her in the cloak. And then Ali bin Abi Talib came and he also put him in the cloak. And then Rasulullah recited that part of this ayat of Surah Al Hazab. Where Allah said, Allah wishes only to remove our rich, the evil deeds and sins from you, Ya Ahlul Bayt, O members of the family of Nabi Sallallahu and to purify you with a thorough purification. And this is in Muslim and also in Tafsir Tabari. Now, very important because this hadith is given as proof within quotes of the fact that only 
Fatima Ali Hassan Hussein, radiallahu anhu majmain, that only these are the Ahlul Bayt and not anybody else. This is given, this hadith is given as so-called proof. But look at this. What we need to understand and remember is that when you read or listen to this hadith, is that at the time of this incident, Fatima radiallahu anha was the only daughter of Rasulullah who lived with him, meaning next to him. All his other children had either passed away, they had died, or as in the case of Ruqayya bint Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who was married to Uthman bin Affan radiallahu she lived somewhere else, she lived with Sayyidina Uthman, there was nobody else there. So what Rasulullah did was an act of love for those of his family who were with him. This was not an act of selecting some of them and leaving out others. It is important to understand the context of the hadith when you read the hadith. In the Quran, the only people of the family of Rasulullah directly addressed and the term Ahlul Bayt applied to them are the blessed mothers of the believers, the wives of Rasulullah nobody else. We honor all the Ahlul Bayt, but in the order that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored them. We do not honor some or more over others, and we definitely do not curse and revile any of them. The wives of Rasulullah are our mothers, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them that status. So we honor them first and foremost, then others among the Ahlul Bayt. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored the wives of Rasulullah equally and he called them Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the mothers of the believers, all of them. And so we do the same and we honor all the wives of Rasulullah equally. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, An-Nabiyu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim wa azwajuhu ummahatuhum. Allah said the Prophet ﷺ is closer to the believers than themselves, meaning they love him more than they love their own lives. And, they, and his wives are there, are the believers' mothers as res, uh, with regard to respect and with regard to the fact that the wives of Rasulullah were not permitted to marry anyone after he passed away. This is, a, this is specific to them. Any Muslim woman can marry after her husband passes away, there is no uh, prohibition of that, except for the wives of Rasulullah And Allah said, this is, you can't do that because they are your mothers. And obviously you can't marry your mother. The Sahaba always tried to be as close to Rasulullah as they could in every way. So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and Umar al-Khattab were the fathers-in-law of Rasulullah Osman ibn Affan and Ali ibn Abi Talib were both sons-in-law of Rasulullah Osman ibn Affan was his son-in-law two times. That's why he's called the Nurain. He's called the, the person with, with two Nurs, the two uh, daughters of Rasulullah Rasulullah had three sons and four daughters. His children in chronological order, Qasim bin Muhammad That's why he is called, Nabi Sallallahu kunya is Abu Qasim. So Qasim bin Muhammad, then Zainab bin Muhammad, then Luqayya bin Muhammad, then Umm Kulthum bin Muhammad, then Abdullah ibn Muhammad, also known as Tahir and Tayyib, and then Fatima bin Muhammad, and the last of them Ibrahim ibn Muhammad radiallahu anhu majmain.
in respect to the sahaba in general and the family of rasulullah in particular we consider all of them first and foremost in status among the muslims because we have our deen thanks to the sahaba and thanks to the family of rasulullah we consider them all of them to be what is called in in the in, in uh, hadith terminology athiqa which means completely reliable in terms of whatever they conveyed we do not doubt them we do not cast aspersions on them we do not criticize them and we definitely do not abuse them we consider anyone who abuses the khulafa rashida especially or any of the sahaba or any of the family of rasulullah sallallahu to have exited islam with respect to sayyidatina aisha siddiqa ummuna our mother radiyallahu uh, anha the matter is even more serious let me tell you what we know from the quran and sunnah about a very important incident in the seerah of rasulullah this incident is called the incident of ifk which means a false allegation slander and the story is that rasulullah used to take one of his wives one of the azwajat muttaharat with him whenever he went anywhere so in this case say the aisha radiyallahu was taken she was traveling with nabi sallallahu they went on a ghazwa they were returning to madina aisha siddiqa radiyallahu was mounted on a camel and she was in a covered howdah you know the, the kind of uh, thing contraption on top of elephants or camels so she was in this covered howdah this army battalion camped in one place and uh, people were doing whatever they're doing when umuna aisha radiyallahu anha she went to attend to her needs and while she was doing that she was wearing a necklace of pearls this necklace broke and the pearls all got scattered so she was searching for those pearls now in the process she must have felt tired or something so she sat under a tree nice cool shade she fell asleep when she woke up she went to where the army was camped and she found there's nobody there they were all gone now what happened was that that was a short camp they got up and went and the person who was leading her camel obviously he is not looking into the howdah to see if she is there or not he got the camel he went and everyone so aisha siddiqa radiyallahu was left in the middle of nowhere alone obviously she was terrified she was afraid and so on but what to do so there was a tree she sat under the tree which was obviously the sensible thing to do if she had been wandering around trying to find people she would have got completely lost so she didn't she stood she stayed there it so happened that one of the sahaba a man by the name of safwan bin tuattal radiyallahu anhu he was traveling separately from the army he came there now as soon as he saw said aisha siddiqa radiyallahu anha what he did was he made his camel kneel he turned away he indicated to her he didn't even speak to her he just indicated to her to mount the camel she got on the camel and he took the rope of the camel and he went with her to madina aisha siddiqa radiyallahu says the man did not even look at me he did not look at me he did not talk to me he didn't say one word he just let the camel and he went to madina so they caught up with the army and then uh, she got into her own uh, 
her own conveyance. Now, Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul, the head of the Munafiqeen, as we know, he his whole life was engaged in causing as much pain and suffering to Rasulullah as possible. So he started a rumor implying evil and wrongdoing between Sayyidah Aisha Siddiqah and Safwan bin Mu'attal. He started the rumor and may Allah have mercy on us. Like all rumors, it took root. And some good people like Hassan bin Thabit, one of the one of the greatest poets and a good Sahib of Islam, he got stuck, he got he got influenced by this Mista bin Uthatha, who was a relative of Rasul of Abu Bakr Siddiq, he got involved in it. Another lady by the name of Hamna bin Jahash uh, and others, they got involved in it, and this rumor started spreading uh, like wildfire all through Medina. Now what happened thereafter? I will tell you it's a very, very important incident for a number of reasons. And inshallah we'll see what we can learn from this. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Muhammadur Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahabihi wa sallam Tasliman kathiran kathira fama badu We are looking at the incident which is known as the incident of ifk The incident of slander against our mother Ummuna Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha now Aisha Siddiqah herself has narrated this whole incident. So she says, when we arrived in Medina, I fell ill and I had a fever for over a month. The, all the people of Medina were talking about this slander, but I did not know because I was sick, I was at home. She says, my mother was, um, her mother's name was Umm Rumman. She was looking after me. I was in the house of Islam and I did not know anything of what was going on. She said, after a month, I was recuperating. Another 10-15 days passed. Now in this process, she said, what I did notice was that anytime Rasulullah came to see me, he would not talk to me, he would talk to my mother. And he would ask my mother, how's the patient? Now Aisha Siddiqah obviously very hurt. She, she said, I'm sick. He is. Normally Nabi was very affectionate, very loving with her. But he was not. He was distanced and he used to uh, simply say, how's the patient? And then he would leave. And this is in Sahih Muslim. Now, Aisha Siddiqah said, another 20 nights passed. And I was over this thing and I wanted to go to the toilet. Now, the Muslims did not have, I mean, they didn't have attached toilets in those days. So they used to go out of Medina, they used to walk a certain distance, go out of Medina to relieve themselves. She says that um, one night I went out and um, the mother of Mitha bin Uthasa, who was one of the people who was spreading this rumor, she was with me and she says as we were walking, this lady, her uh, abaya, she tripped on it and she fell. 
and she said she cursed mista she said damn mista may mista fall so aisha siddiqa radhiyallahu anha said why are you cursing mista i mean you fell you tripped and fell why are you cursing your son and mista bin uthasa and see is very important to understand this thing mista bin uthasa was one of the badriyin he was he was a person who fought in the battle of badr now the, among the sahaba there was this unwritten hierarchy and in that hierarchy the top were the asharu mubashara the 10 people who had been given bashara of jannah and after them came the badriyin the people who fought in the battle of badr they were considered to be the cream the creme de la creme of the sahaba and mista was one of them and he fell into this rumor thing so the his mother the aisha siddiqa said why are you cursing he is a man from the battle of badr and what does he have to do you tripped and fell why she didn't say anything said so aisha says we walked for a, you know they, they had to go quite a distance now they walked a little few more steps again she fell again she tripped again she fell again she cursed herself damn mista aisha siddiqa said radhiyallahu anha she said why are you doing this what is the why you know this is very unfair very wrong she didn't say anything they walked some more steps she fell again third time now again she cursed herself i just the khadar and said for god's sake this is terrible why are you doing this you fall down you curse a good man she said i cursed him because what he is saying about you he is not a good man now aisha said the khadar and got she said what is he saying about me and umm mista told aisha siddiqa radhiyallahu anha what the rumor was said aisha siddiqa radhiyallahu anha says i got so pained and i got so shocked with this thing that i just turned around i did not even go to relieve myself i just turned around and went home and then she said i was very very ill with this and she said i was weeping i simply could not stop crying then Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam came so she said i asked rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam she said ya rasulullah i want to go to my parents house because i am not well he said go so she said i went to my parents house i wanted to find out what is going on i met my mother and i asked my mother my mother said why did you come what happened suddenly you are here she said people have been talking against me but you did not say anything to me so she said my mother tried to you know pass it off she said you know don't worry uh, when a man loves one wife more than others the co-wives they talk and so on and so on just ignore it she said no 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 this is not about co-wives and so on uh this is not about jealousy uh why did you not tell me then she said i asked him i asked my mother does my father know this she said yes then i asked him did does rasulullah sallallahu alaihi know this she said yes so aisha siddiqa radhiyallahu anha said i started weeping and i wept and wept she said my father was upstairs reading the quran he heard my voice he came down and he said what's wrong with her and my mother said she has heard the rumors and my father also started weeping abubakar siddiqa radhiyallahu imagine this is the this is the house of the best of them and this is such a tragedy that is happening to them how much of pain those people must be undergoing and she says i cried and cried and cried all night i could not sleep the whole night and this is in uh, ibn hisham and muslim and tirmidhi now the people who were the foremost in this was as i said abdullah bin ubay who invented this whole thing then there was zaid bin rifa uh, another person 
uh, who was probably the son of another hypocrite, then Mista bin Uthasa and Hassan bin Sabit. Rasulullah was so bothered with this, he even went to the member and he said, Oh people, will somebody help me against this slander against my wife? He said, I only know good about my wife and I only know good about the man that they are talking about. There is nothing that I know about them which is bad. Now a whole month passed. There was no revelation. There was no way. Nabi Wasallam asked the maid servant. He asked uh, Ali bin Abi Talib Sayyidina Ali said, if you don't, if you think she has done something wrong, divorce her, marry somebody else. Now this also went to Sayyidina Aisha Siddhartha She was very upset with that. He asked uh, Usama bin Zaid. Then one day, I, Sayyid Aisha says, Rasulullah came to my father's house. He sat next to me and he said, Oh Aisha, I have heard such and such about you. If you are free of these accusations, Allah will state that you are free. But if you committed such a sin, ask forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repent to him. Because when a slave confesses his sins and repents, Allah treats them with mercy. Sayyid Aisha Siddiqaradalana says that I was weeping when Rasulullah came, but when I heard him, she says my tears dried up. I stopped weeping. And I turned to my father and I said, Answer Rasulullah on my behalf. My father says, I don't know what to say. She said, I turned to my mother. Imagine her state. There is nobody who is helping her. She said, I turned to my mother and said, answer Rasulullah on my, on my behalf. My mother says, I do not know what to say. Now, when even her parents did not speak for her, Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. Wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Alhamdulillah. And then she said, by Allah. She took an oath with Allah. She said, by Allah, I know what you have heard about these rumors and you all look like you believe them. So if I were to tell you that I am guilty, if I were to tell you I'm not guilty and Allah knows I'm not guilty, you will not believe me because you already believe that I'm guilty. So if I tell you I'm not guilty, you won't believe me. And if I tell you I'm guilty, you will believe me, but I'm not guilty. So she said, all I can say to you is, the, is what Yaqub said to his sons. And she said, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِفُونَ Sayyid Aisha Siddiqah, she was Hafiz Quran, she was a scholar, she, I mean, this is not a normal person we are talking about. So she said, and she is speaking, who is she speaking? She is speaking to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She is speaking to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq She is speaking to her mother Umar Umman. And she is saying that looks like you have all believed this false rumor. And now I am in a position where if I say I did not do it, you will not believe me. And I did not do it. I am innocent. And if I tell you I did it, then you will believe me, but that will be false because I have not done anything. So she said, I leave this to Allah because Allah knows. Now, this is the power of the word of somebody who is connected to Allah. Eh? This, is the, this is the power. When Aisha Siddiqah said, Wallah al-Musta'an, 
Allah sent Jibril Rasulullah was sitting there said Aisha said he had not moved from his place but suddenly he got wahi and he lay down with the with the with the force of it he started sweating profusely he said she said they put a pillow under his neck and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent wahi and when the wahi finished Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed totally 13 ayats of Surah An-Nur. And when the revelation finished, Rasulullah got up, he was smiling and he said, Ya Aisha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has acquitted you, has exonerated you, has declared that you are innocent and you are free and away from the slander. Now all the ayats of Surah An-Nur from 12 to 20, and then another three ayat, 23, 25. I will not uh, read the ayat. Let me quickly go through the translation. I want to keep, keep to the time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Why then did not the believers, men and women, when you heard the slander, think good of their own people and say, this cannot be true. This charge is an obvious lie. Why did you not believe? Why, don't we, why did you not do that? And then Allah says, why did they, meaning the slanderers, not produce four eyewitnesses? Since they, the slanderers, have not produced witnesses, then with Allah they are liars. Had it not been for the grace of Allah and His mercy unto you in this world and in the hereafter, a great torment would have touched you for that which you spoke. Allah said, Allah would have, would have sent down His azab for what you said about Aisha Siddiqa when you were propagating it with your tongues and uttering it with your mouths, that which you had no knowledge about, you thought it was a small thing, but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was a very big thing. And why did you not, when you heard it, why did you not say it is not right for us to speak like this? Glory be to you, Allah. This is a great lie. Why did you not say that? Allah forbids you from it and warns you not to repeat the like of it forever. If you are believers, conditional statement. If you are believers, meaning what? If you say this, you are no longer believers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the signs and ayat plain to you. And Allah is all-knowing, all-wise. Verily, those who like that the crime of adultery should be propagated among those who believe, they will have a, pa a painful torment in this world and the hereafter. And Allah knows and you do not know. And had it not been for the grace of Allah and His mercy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have punished you. And that Allah is full of kindness and most merciful. When these ayats were revealed, Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar Umman, the parents of Aisha Siddiq they said, go and thank Rasulullah sallallahu She said, I will not thank him. I will thank Allah. Yes, this, this, this was the spirit of Aisha Siddiq She said, I won't thank him. He believed this thing. This Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who freed me. I will thank Allah. She was a person who was a jurist. She was a, she was a scholar. She was a person to whom the ulama says we owe 25% of this deen to Aisha Siddiqa. She was a person who was totally connected to Allah. And that is why when she called upon Allah, Allah heard her and Allah answered her. Now, in conclusion, while this incident obviously is very difficult and painful, it represents much good. Firstly, the Muslims learned experientially the danger of rumors and how they can divide the community and sow discord and suspicion. 
We have this to this day in our community. Anyone says anything bad about somebody, instantly we believe it. Inst- we don't even check. Why? Why do we do that? Secondly, very strict laws were put in place. The punishment for somebody who accuses a chaste person of adultery especially is 80 lashes. Usually with 80 lashes you die. But even if you survive, then that person is branded a liar for the rest of their lives. Their testimony is not not accepted in court. Thirdly, the innocence of Sayyida Aisha Siddiqah was categorically established for all time by the word of Allah Jalla Jalaluhu himself being revealed in support of her innocence. So those who claim that women are discriminated against in Islam should think about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then warned the slanderers. Allah said, Verily, those who accuse chaste women who never even think of anything touching their chastity and they are good believers, they are cursed in this life and in the hereafter. And for them will be a great torment on the day when their tongues and their hands and their legs and feet will bear witness against them as to what they used to do. And on that day, Allah will pay them the recompense of their deeds in full and they will not know that Allah, they will then they will know that Allah is the manifest truth that is the reason why anyone who accuses Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha of wrongdoing must reflect on what that accusation means it means that this person is denying not one word of the Quran which alone is enough to render you out of Islam but this person is denying 11 ayat or 13 ayats and that is why our belief as Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that anyone accusing or cursing Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu has committed kufr and has left Islam. Finally, there is another aspect of goodness in this also and that is that the Muslims came fully to understand that Rasulullah was not Alimul Ghaib. He did not have knowledge of Al Ghaib. His knowledge of the Ghaib consisted only of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him and told him. For one full month, he remained in anxiety about Aisha radiallahu He asked people about, about her. When he met her, he advised her, if you did this, make istighfar. He did not say, I, I know you did not do this. This is very important. And only when the divine message came, and this is the sitq of Rasulullah when the divine message came, he communicated it clearly without any doubt. And that is why, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arranged to safeguard the Muslims from ghulu and from shirk, from exaggerating, through direct experience and observation, for which people usually end up with blind faith and with ghulu and with exaggerating and ascribing things to their religious leaders which do not belong to them. Rasulullah was human and he was the best of them. He was the greatest of them. He was the Rasul of Allah, but he was human. He was not superhuman. He was not God. He did not have ilm of the ghaib. Only Allah has the ilm of the ghaib. What Rasulullah knew was what Allah told him. What Allah did not tell him, he did not know. And this is our aqidah as the Ahlul Sunnah.
I remind myself and you, my brothers and sisters. And again, think about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delayed the revelation for over a month to teach this lesson. Because obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instantly would have sent Jibreel on the same day, the moment Abdullah bin Ubay opened his mouth, Allah would have sent Jibreel He did not do that. He let all this happen. He let all the pain and suffering so you understand this very, very clearly without any doubt. I remind myself and you that the Sahaba of Rasulullah are very special people. And among them, the Ahlul Bayt of Rasulullah the household has the highest status. And that is why it is very important to study the seerah of Rasulullah and his Sahaba to truly understand the beauty of Islam from a very fundamental, practical perspective so that we can apply it in our lives. ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين رب اغفر وارحم وأنت خير الراحمين آمين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدو يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيم السلام